just get wrecked. Get drunk out of your brain. Lose control to the spirit of holiness. Get set free. Holy! Let the angel of God set you free tonight. Get set free from your blood in your brain. Get God's blood over your brain. Get God's blood flowing through your brain. God's blood is the glory of God. The spirit of glory is the blood of Jesus on earth. Hallelujah! <laughs> encouraged today because when I was getting ready there was a physical manifest glory cloud in my apartment it was a bright glory haze of the Holy Spirit manifesting the Shekinah glory and it was like hazy in rooms of my apartment I'm looking at it, I'm gonna just do a double take whoa this new level of holiness by the impartation of the angel of holiness is materializing the Shekinah glory of God. <laughs> you know, the Shekinah glory is what heals all nations. You know, in the Azusa Street outpouring about a hundred years ago, William Seymour, he would take the Shekinah glory he could scoop it with his hand like ice cream. And he would scoop the Shekinah and paint on body parts. You need an arm? He would scoop the glory just by faith. Take a scoop of the glory from the air around your head right now. Have faith for it because it's there. I can see the glory. The glory of God covers the earth, the Bible says. It's faith that materializes it. It's the purity of your spirit. And purity is an imparted gift from the Lamb of God. You can't be pure if you want to be pure. But Jesus is imparted into you as purity. The Lord Jesus is imparted into your spirit as holiness. What is the priority of heaven towards your hearts this season? Holiness. 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 I tell you the truth. There is no high, no sensation, no pleasure, no ecstasy, no rapture in heaven higher than God's holiness. It is the holy of holies that is the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. And it's a gift. You can't earn it. You can't practice it by being good. It's an angelic impartation. I said, what has shifted at Joel's bar? Everything feels different, Lord. And he said to me, I have sent my angel of holiness to you. And this angel of holiness is imparting the very holiness of the living God into your spirit as an infusion. Have your spirit in your bellies infused with the holiness of your heavenly father. You need it. 
Without holiness, no one will feel the Lord. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord, Jesus Christ said. But you're not going to feel him either. You're going to feel you. You're going to feel the world. You're going to feel some kind of animal sensation. He wants you to feel the angel sensation of the angel of his own holiness. Remember, scripture says you cannot inherit salvation except through angels. Unless God sends his angels, there's zero chance you'll experience more of God the rest of your life. That's written in Hebrews 1. He sends his angels, his ministering spirits, to help you inherit a greater salvation. (laughs) A greater salvation like we've never known before. It's coming from the angels, in particularly the angel of holiness that's going to infuse your spirit with light beyond your wildest imagination, a pleasure in being set apart from lust and sexual morality like you've never known before. It's not even humanly possible, but the Spirit of God loves to do it towards his kids. The Holy Ghost considers you his child when he sends his angels to impart gifts into your spirit. Out of your spirit will flow rivers of holiness. He says you want a brighter glory. You want justice upon Jezebel that's killing the prophets, stealing and robbing from apostolic and prophetic ministries, empowering the sons of Satan. The Lord says you need a greater holiness to bring a judgment towards the damned and the dead. It is a brightness. It is a cleanness in the air. It is a brightness and a cleanness and a clarity through your souls. As if the soul is clear. As if the soul is transparent. And the impartation of holiness into your spirit makes your brains transparent like silver it's silver water flowing through you this is angelic silver water when prophets have gone into heaven and have encountered the living waters of the garden of eden they have all said it is the silver waters it is the waters of the holy spirit it's like liquid silver it's drinkable It purifies, it sanctifies, it makes you come alive. You feel different after you encounter the silver water of heaven. Let the silver water flow. It's the water of holiness. Holiness is a drink. Holiness is a cup. I can see liquid holiness. You know what it looks like? Thermometers. I can see thermometers out here. And when they have those thermometers, there's that liquid inside them. I don't know if it's lead or mercury, but it's silver. It is silver in the thermometer. And I can see the silver in the thermometer. And he says, I'm turning up the holiness of the silver waters like a thermometer in this place. In your hearts. You want it. You want to burn up the enemy. You want to burn up the injustice. You want to see the nations rocked for God. 
There needs to be an angelic holiness of the things of heaven in your spirit and your brain getting fully persuaded, fully convinced that these things are more real than the negative stuff of the devil around me. The things of heaven have superseded hell. The Lord Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And the church is the spirits of the believers knit together in love. That your spirits be knit together in the fabric of wisdom. It is written that your spirit, your new creature in Christ, doesn't take anything in the realm of the natural. It takes the angelic thread. <laughs> angelic thread weaving your spirits together with silver waters and golden waters and diamond waters and gemstone waters. It's all a liquid flow of the river. The river is not like the rivers in the natural where you can just predict it. It's going to be water flowing today. That's not how the river of life is. Living water means it's not dead water. It means it's changing forms. That it's beyond your brain, beyond understanding, and it's a manifestation of what your spirit needs as nutrients as a new creature getting fathered by God. <laughs> Just like a baby, when it's born, it's hooked up to a bunch of machines and it gets fed fluids. That's what the river is to the new creature. It's feeding your spirit the nutrients that it needs to become big and strong. Big and strong spirit beings filled and flooded with all the liquid nutrients that God the Father desires for you in this place. Let it flow. Let everything else that be poisoning the new creature, poisoning the mind, causing deceptions, distractions, causing us to go into Babylon, causing us to go into the world, being not separate, but let that stuff be washed away tonight by an impartation of liquid holiness. There has to be a desire for it. Some people don't know. Unbelief keeps you locked into the realm of the natural, where your inheritance is in the realm of the dead. That's what Esau's bowl of soup is. That you have rejected the invisible inheritance of God and chosen a visible inheritance of Satan is the forfeit of the birthright of Jesus Christ, those that are born again. And so we reject that visible inheritance. You have to. And we receive the invisible inheritance of the Holy Ghost without even worrying about the junk. You know, I couldn't believe it today as I'm experiencing God's holiness in a brand new way. You know what the Spirit of God kept saying to me? He said, no good thing will I withhold from those that walk uprightly. I said, the good things withholding, I, I don't care. I just want the holiness. He kept repeating it. He said, no good thing will I withhold from those that are walking uprightly. I said, I just want the uprightly. I just want the holiness. And he kept saying it. The Lord is most excited to reward you for your purity and holiness. It was astonishing to me. 
You think he'd just be satisfied enough like religious people saying, oh, I'm just good with holiness. God is my reward, my good reward, like the Levites. God is my inheritance. And we say those things and we mean it, but the Lord is, an, is enthusiastic. The Lord is enthralled with the impartation of those things that will be added unto those who walk uprightly. I couldn't believe his excitement for the good things that he wants to give to his kids. The Holy, the Holy Spirit, like a little child, is most excited to have fun with you in the natural realm when your holiness is complete. That's the only thing on his mind, is having fun with you when your purity is through and through. That's what he wants to do. Buckaroo. Wow. They say, what's God's will for my life? He wants to have fun with your life. He wants to walk with you like you walked with Adam in the garden. He called it fun. Restore us to the place of walking with the Father in the coolness of the day. Which means carefree, childlike faith, perfected freedom, no limitations to what God and you as a spirit can do together. Now what's in the way? Soul. Soul. That's what's in the way. Because first and foremost, most people aren't walking as spirit for God to even be their spiritual father because the soul is in the way. They're just completely soulish. In order for God to be your father, the Bible says your spirit only can be fathered. That's why so few experience this. You see the goofy stuff they manifest every single day out of their soul. It's all soulishness. All the goofball garbage that you deal with and people thinking they're hearing from God and it's not God at all, it's totally animal, is the soul dimension thinking it's getting fathered, thinking it's getting an inheritance with the spirit. It doesn't, it gets burnt up and obliterated. And it becomes clear in there. When the soul is actually sanctified, there's clarity. Where there is light, there is clarity. It's called cleaning out the skeletons in the closet. Those things whispered in secret, shouted from the rooftops, which means the cleansing of the thought life of the inner man, the perfecting of the invisible person of the heart. The apostolic ministry of the New Testament is only for the perfecting of the invisible person of the heart. Everything else is religion. And until the invisible person of the heart is all that's left in there that's coming to a place of maturity that runs this body, you're going to deal with Satan inside the soulishness, which Jesus calls a goat. <laughs> now, this is where you lose people. And we're not afraid to lose people because we're not people pleasers. Jesus Christ said, in order to enter the Father's house, which is the glory, the goat has to die which is the entire consciousness of self and the religion of man and woman's heart. He said, unless that goat dies, you won't even be inside the kingdom. You're in your own little kingdom. You're in your own little ministry, your own little ideas about God. It's not even God, it's goat. You got God, tree of life, goat, tree of knowledge about God and it's as goat as goat gets and it's as Satan as Satan gets it's simply Christianity of the heart is what goat is 
And that's mostly what we have in Babylon the Great. You say something different than that, like, there's another option? There's something else? There's a killing of the goat. How about a preaching and a teaching that kills goats? You keep preaching against the goat until that thing doesn't even have a, a chance to be around. They can expect a butcher towards the goat and they'll know with revelation that's divine love so that the spirit and the consciousness can enter through the spirit into the glory which is the house of the father for the spirit to eat if the goat's alive if the heart's alive if the heart is being fed and not the spirit the whole feast table is being stolen and robbed by the enemy Amen. and that's the esau soup for the religious that you feed the soul the nutrients and they can't get into the spirit and that's why you have such an anemic body of Christ because we have tolerated goat everywhere we applaud goat we celebrate goat we have goat feasts goat festivals and we say we don't we think we're all sheep we think we're all spirit until some radical prophets who have had their goats slaughtered by severe discipleship of the Holy Ghost come around and raise a different standard with zero heart Christianity. This is unknown in the world today. This is what we need. A Christianity with zero hearts. Most of our Christianity is mostly hearts. And we think it's God. It's self. It's still self. It's still a counterfeit. It still contradicts and fights the effortlessness of the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do through your spirit. And most of us still resist a greater spirituality that is gifted and imparted into our bellies because of thinking the goat is God. It's all the pride of the fallen angels that you wrestle against in our early days in the prophetic. The hardest thing to see after coming into the glory is the demons of pride, the goats. And we all got them. And you don't just sit there and say it's other people. This is the stuff we all need to hear towards our hearts together. I've never preached one sermon at Joel's Bar in history that wasn't towards my own heart. I need this stuff as desperately as you do. It's the gospel that saves us all. We must destroy the heart dimension to build up the spirit dimension. The Bible says many nations will fall because of this child. We don't like that. We like to hear the stuff where many nations will rise. Many nations will thrive. We like the happy clappy because we're infants in Christ. We need the judgment and the downfall of many nations equally to the rise of many nations. And we need clarity and understanding that the rise of many nations by this child Jesus is our spirit rising. And the fall of many nations by this child, the holy child Jesus, is our hearts falling and our hearts dissolving and all that blood that deceives our brain into false divinity every day being slaughtered like goats in every way then we will have a Christianity that accurately brings forth the Father's voice so they will all know the Lord 
and not have their opinions in individual interpretation that's forbidden according to the New Testament. When you deal with infants in Christ, the apostles say what they were doing is having individual interpretations of hearing from God. That's the danger zone, man. No prophecy of scripture is for individual interpretation. It is written. It must be brought into the fire. It must be slaughtered like a goat. It must fall like a seed to the ground and die. Die. The baptism of death is a foundation. The Bible says, and the dead in Christ will be raised. Notice that only the ones who have the baptism of death are raised. Thessalonians, the dead in Christ will be raised. We thought, oh, those that have died and have been martyred. No, it's the ones who have the baptism. It's the ones that are really crucified in their heart that rise and meet them in the air, which is the realm of the overcomer of Revelation 14, 14, living in the glory cloud. Who are these that fly along like clouds, like doves to their nest? You're going to be in the mid heavens proclaiming the angelic gospel with the virgin-like purity that the Holy Ghost is discipling you in. Part of virginity, it's not just the obvious sexual morality that the Pharisees brought before Jesus every day and say, killer, killer, stoner, stoner. (laughs) That stuff you don't even need to be a prophet or have any discernment to tell that that's the devil. That's the devil. But those self-righteous serpents that were bringing the lust-filled prostitutes before Jesus to be killed are full of satanic pride. That pride is also anti-virgin. That's another thing that keeps us away from the true maturity of ruling as divine government. So we're getting sanctified from all the lust and we're getting sanctified from all the pride. And pride is a thousand times harder to see. In fact, The Bible says you are not capable of seeing it in your own self. That's why we're deceived. You are not capable of seeing your own sinful pride. The Bible says it. No one can know their own heart. It is written. You can't know your own heart. You can't know the contents of your heart. That's why the word of God is the judge of the heart. And that's why people don't read the Bible because it knows the heart. It knows what's in it and it goes after it. It attacks it viciously. The word of God comes and destroys pride with the sword of his mouth. And there's a goat in the heart. There's the goat in the brain. And the Bible kills them both. And you want to read the Bible until your spirit is tingling all throughout your heart and tingling all throughout your head. That's evidence that your spirit's making progress through heart and brain. Read it until you feel it. Revelate until you levitate. Until your spirit is piercing through the blood. There was such a realm before Joel's bar tonight up here that I could feel the glory of God surging through my veins and arteries. I could feel the river flowing like, I felt like lava, I felt like fire, flowing in my bloodstream. I thought, whoa, what is this? This is the... What happens when you let the Holy Ghost deal with your heart? You begin to feel the Holy Spirit flowing through you like a river of life. The tree of life is the Holy Ghost as your blood. The Holy Ghost becomes your blood, people. 
We get baptized in the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost will change you until the Holy Ghost is the very substance that runs you. The Holy Ghost covers your brain. The Holy Ghost moves through your bones. You're not animated by sunlight and starlight like animals anymore with electromagnetic energy. You're manifest sons of God with glory energy. You are transitioning to run as a different type of being on a different type of energy. The cleanliness the clearness of the energy you run on as beings and your brain decides what energy you use. Just like when you go to the gas pump, you got four options. 87, 89, 91, or diesel. You determine the cleanliness, the clearness that the engine of the soul runs on. And most people just cringe when they look at that 91 twice as much for that. I'll just get the 87. Because you got to pay a higher price for a higher octane. And we don't. But we do later on. We learn it's more important to have that higher energy. And there's stuff to overcome to get into that higher energy. And you do go from glory to glory in your cars which will require a greater energy and fuel system that you run on both spiritually, morally, mentally, physically, and in your vehicles. Amen. And if you don't upgrade the spirit first, it'll be idolatry out here. They just go out there and they just upgrade. I'm straight to solar power. I got the invention we run on H2O and their spirit's dead and the mark of the beast is the only thing they served in their forehead. So you're going to need wisdom for these things. We'll upgrade ourselves in the natural and think it's prophetic. It's false prophetic. What upgrades you in the natural is the excitement of the spirit of God for the increase of the upgrade in the inner man. To hear a different person that's not yourself excited to add things unto you is the evidence that you're developing the inner man. We want to reward ourselves. That's the evidence that you're not walking with God. That you are a self-promoter. Repent and serve the Holy Ghost until the Holy Ghost is excited to add stuff unto you because you're seeking first the kingdom and His righteousness. His righteousness is His Spirit. What is righteousness? Spirituality. Practicing righteousness is practicing the Holy Ghost in your spirit. Holy Ghost! In your spirit. And the brain out of the way. And the brain's unbelief. And the brain's religion. And the blood of the human animal split apart, scattered. When they would take the animal to the altar, they would cut it in half. And only the purest, spotless lamb that was grown in Bethlehem, by the way, would be sacrificed once a year by the high priest and then sprinkled on the Holy of Holies, right on the mercy seat, representing a different level of cleanness and clarity and a different level of sacrifice. They'd come with two turtle doves 
They'd come with a, a bull. They'd come with a lamb. They'd come with a goat. They would sacrifice a thousand goats, a thousand rams. They would sacrifice a thousand bulls. They would sacrifice different levels of blood and different qualities of blood to cover the mercy seat, which represents the mind. Lift up your ancient gates for the King of Glory. Where did the blood go, guys? On the doorpost of Passover. Where's the doorpost in Psalms 24? Ancient gate, lift up your heads so the King of Glory can come up. The blood cleanses your conscience. The blood is poured on the forehead. The blood is smeared on the doorpost. And the blood of Jesus and his name is written on their foreheads in Revelation three times. A different blood covering the mind, a different influence of the brain. But you choose in your feelings, in your heart, how much of an influence the Spirit of God has in your mind. You're only held accountable for what you hear. That's why people don't want to listen to the prophets, because you'll be held accountable. And if you disobey, guaranteed destruction, as you've seen in every, every previous generation. If you are disobeying those sent from the Father that are speaking the Father's word, you are siding with the devil and will be destroyed with the devil, guaranteed. It's not even optional. You've seen it a thousand times before. You'll see it 10,000 more times before the Lord returns. There needs to be an understanding of walking with God in His ways, honoring His word, not people-pleasing. No, not getting weird. Jesus humbled himself and just became one of the guys. And they were shocked that he'd just be so down to earth and he'd hang out with normal people. The holiness is an internal thing. It's not just, you know, like Pope Francis and surrounding yourself in a bulletproof glass, riding around, you know, looking like some kind of goofball. There's, a, if there's holiness in the natural, then there's holiness of the heart that's real, that's on a straight level. Jesus hung out with commoners. He treated everyone the same. Didn't matter if it was the king or just someone that no one's ever heard of. He would treat them exactly the same because they're all spirits that have souls that live in bodies. And it was about the potential of them interacting with his spirit and his word that made them great or not great in the eternal kingdom of God. We're in the realm of the natural. It's about who you know, politics, bloodlines, economic status, educational crap, how educated you are, what school you went to, studied under Gamaliel. Oh, wow. Oh, man, really impressive. Paul had to burn his degrees like witchcraft scrolls. He had to call everything that accredited him as something special in the realm of the natural, he used the word, as a pile of shit in the Bible. He uses the Greek slang word for manure to refer to his past life and all of his degrees. A pile of shit. It's true. Truth anyhow. And you have to treat the natural realm the same way and develop the spirit man with those degrees. Instead of degrees out here in the soul, getting further and further away from God, killing God's people like Saul of Tarsus, get the degrees of writing the word of God on your spirit in that invisible education. That invisible degree. 
studying to show yourself approved before God. Not man, God. A workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, which means spirit divided from soul. Dividing. Working in the word, in the spirit, and dividing truth. It is written, which means I'm not applying it to an external religious nonsense of witchcraft and sorcery of do's and don'ts. It's called voodoo doo-doo. Doo-doo is voodoo. It's witchcraft. The knowledge of good and evil, do I do it or not do it, is sorcery. The knowledge of good and evil in the soul, bad and evil, bad, good, right, wrong, left, right, up, down, black, white, it's all sin. It's the animal response to divinity. So what do I do? Do I don't do that? Refrain from this. Touch this, touch that. Don't eat that, don't eat that. All these things are wearisome to me, it is written. It's dealing with man's response to something that he cannot impart into himself, acting like a damn fool about the things of God. It's foolishness. A damned fool. So what you do is you eventually give up. Like the younger prodigal. And he had no understanding of God. Zero revelation of God. He said, I'm going to go back to my father and be a slave. But he's going back to his father. At least he had that desperation, a little revelation that his father would take him back as a servant. Older one didn't even have that much revelation. He was pure pride. So he comes back. Now he begins to know God and his goodness as an impartation and as a gift, as grace. He began to know God as grace. And that's what brought the transformation of his soul. The goodness of God began to take over his ability to change himself. He couldn't be good. God was his goodness. He began to go into the Father's house and eat the Father's goodness, the nutrients of his glory that imparted an infused his whole soul with heaven's light and heaven was a gift of food into his body that energized his spirit that changed his heart changed his mind now he's got so much of god digested into his spirit that the word of god has made his flesh and he has no desire for sinful things anymore because he's fully satisfied on god revelation feasting knowing the father getting your spirit overfed getting your soul saturated your soul marinated your soul completely infused with your spirit even my flesh and soul cry out for the living god when will i go and be with god so that the flesh is addicted to the things of the spirit and the soul is thankful and grateful for the things of the spirit you get so much glory pumping through your flesh and blood that all you desire is the things of heaven and guess what happens an overflow of a cup that overflows goes into the realm of the natural and washes for you an inheritance for those whose souls are sanctified, purified, and made upright by grace. Amen. Let's go over here to the book of Acts. We want to get into the inheritance 
of the purified souls. <laughs> These rewards are so important, it's shocking. We get into holiness and we get all these ideas of what it looks like and what I'm supposed to do and what I'm supposed to get and blah 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 and it's mostly human. The spirit's most excited enthusiasm is towards rewarding you for your uprightness. This, this is messing with me today. I'm just sharing what's happening to me today. I was completely blown away that all God's excitement was towards the heart being upright and being able to reward the uprightness on the inside. You know what it is? Giving Jesus formed in us the natural dimension. The most exciting thing for the Holy Spirit in the whole world is adding the whole world unto Jesus Christ formed in us. Which is the total removal of the curse of the fall. We think it's about behavior. We think it's about becoming some ideal Christian, some mystic. Maybe he's just even getting drunk. Maybe just angelic ecstasies. Maybe even just, you know, some kind of manifestations. That's not it. The, what the Holy Ghost is most excited about is giving the rewards to Jesus inside his people. It's true. And it messes with the religious spirit because we just want to work and look like something and just we're just clueless. So just correct us, Lord. Just transform us for Jesus to get his rewards. This is what the bride gets, the rewards of Jesus. You're married to the Spirit of God, so you get the rewards of the Son of God. You don't deserve a single one, and that's what messes you up. That's what dynamically transforms your personality, that you start to get the rewards of the Lamb towards the sanctification in the soul that you don't deserve because you're totally religious. <laughs> and that's what melts you. That's what grace does. Grace brings the permanent transformation of the personality. You have a dynamically transformed personality when you start to see the angels bring stuff to Jesus in your spirit even before you're perfect. Because it's that goodness going to Jesus in the parts of you you have believed in and you have embraced that transforms the rest of you that's a total goat. Goat gets changed by goodness, the Bible says. Romans chapter 2, the goodness of the Lord leads them to repentance. Which means transformation, making better decisions, a different thought life. I don't think the way I used to think. I think now according to the rewards of the Lamb and the gift of the Lamb getting formed in my spirit. And so my heart is falling in love into the spirit and the spirit is rising in love through the heart. This is the relationship inside the temple of the Holy Ghost. The heart sinking and the spirit rising, the rise and fall of every nation. Every heart will fall into the crystal sea. Now the issue is whose spirits have learned to live in that crystal sea water. Those are the ones that will function in the water. Those are the ones who have their thought life renewed to the knowledge of the glory that covers the earth as water 
covers the sea. Which means that now the brain and the heart and the human soul and the animal are so melted into the spirit, the spirit has become all of the intelligence inside the body. The soul sinks, the spirit rises. And it's as simple as that. And let us thank you, Lord, for people experiencing in this place. Pour that ointment on the brain. Pour that right on the mind. Let even a sword go through the heart and slay the soul into the river within. Let these people know the Holy Ghost in their bowels. King James Version. Open up the bowels of compassion. A lot of people haven't opened up their bowels. In Jewish culture, it was common thought everywhere that the spirit was in the bowel region of the body. That's why you have that language in the King James Version, the heavy Jewish influence. Well, it's the truth. The spirit is in the bowel region. You have to have your bowels loosed. We're, we're so carnal, we think it has to do with digestion or something. <laughs> We think it may be some Pepto-Bismol. No, it has to do with the spirit coming out of dormancy like a bear that's been living in a cave. In the book of Adam and Eve, the Bible says they fell and went into a cave. It was the spirit being locked up inside the bowels. That's why you feast into your spirit until you come out of the cave of your soul. Your soul is a cave for your spirit. If everyone's soul is awake from birth, that's what animal is. That's the curse of the fall. The issue is we preach to awaken hearts. Not everyone's spirit's awake. You can listen to the gospel and only be awakened in soul, which is awakened in religion. It's a different realm, ever hearing, but never understanding, never seeing, never perceiving, lest they come into a repentance of the truth. Which means the soul can hear, listen, see, watch Joel's bar, watch the prophets, go on missions, trips to Israel, do all the Christian charismatic stuff. But it doesn't mean anything unless the spirit is awakened and you have surpassed your own soulishness. This is what the spirit is doing towards you. He wants to take you out of yourself and you decide if you go into the father's house. The reaction to the prodigal son was, that son of yours, he squandered all of his stuff with prostitutes and you killed the fattened calf and threw a party for him? Because there was a celebration that he went into the spirit. That's what it was about. Since the older one, the religious one, the soulish Christian had no comprehension of the spirit. He had no grid for entering the spirit or the celebration of going from soul to spirit because he had not yet entered the kingdom at all. And that's where most Christians are today. They have no comprehension of entering their own spirit where Jesus is. That's a constant celebration of life. That's the dimension where death is already overcome. That's the dimension where every principality is conquered by Jesus on the cross already. It is your spirit. The Bible says that God 
indwells us in bodily form with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Colossians 2.10, it is written, Where is the realm that's filled with the Godhead? Not the soul. The soul is a goat. It is the spirit where the Godhead dwells in you bodily. And whatever kind of attack towards the soul and the goat it takes to get your brain into that place, that is the preaching of the gospel towards you. That you may come to a realization of God's glory in your spiritual stomach in your bowels and it's not just about natural food in there for the bible says their gods are their stomachs natural stomachs natural gods running on natural instincts like mere animals romans 1. you have the natural man in the natural stomach you have the spirit man and the spiritual stomach the spiritual stomach is the promised land of discovering the rivers of the Garden of Eden. Heaven on earth can only happen in your lives if your bowels are loosed to release the compassion of the Holy Ghost through your innermost being and flooding your personality. We preach for the realization of the glory of Christ in your spiritual stomachs then and only then do you even know how to drink then and only then can your cup overflow how can a cup overflow from the outside jesus christ said that's foolish virgins people come in here to get filled you need to come in here full and overflowing to help me this is not a place where you just come empty every day you come in here with victories every day because the revelations are working in your spirit so as a company of soldiers we can advance the kingdom together with all of our cups overflowing as one cup of the new covenant amen we don't come in dry we come in overflowing and if there's blockages, do some fasting. If you're carnal and soulish, kill the goat. Which means deny yourself. Crucify this thing. If the head is in the way, you're malnourished on the word. Spend four hours a day in the Bible. I mean, I had to spend eight hours in the Bible for 16 years to be overfed so that the word is always working in my spirit. So my senses are constantly experiencing the spirit word, the rhema word. Get into the Bible. You have to study to show yourselves approved. You don't come to church. You don't watch broadcasts to study the Bible, to learn the Bible. That's where your spirits overflow to drown the world around you. This isn't some kind of little church club. That's a cult. This is the kingdom of heaven where we conquer the realm of the dead by being overfed. Come on. Let's go. Joel's army. Joel's army. The Bible says Joel's army, they're an army that moves as one because all of their spirits are overfed. They know how to drink because out of every member of the armies of the living God, they have discovered their victory in the living waters, the silver waters of the Holy Ghost in their own temple. What is the soldier? 
using the sword of the spirit, which means unless you've discovered the spirit, you don't even have a sword yet. You can't quote scripture out of the soul to the devil. The devil is a soulish angel. He'll mock you. He'll urinate on you. He'll rob you blind. But if your spirit overflows with Jesus, who already defeated the devil, he won't even talk to you. He'll just get his face melted off because you're manifesting the river of the victories of the cross. This isn't the individual victories of your soul. It's the testimony of Jesus. It's the victory of one man, the Messiah, that saved us all. And we share in his victories together. That's what makes us the bride. Your rewards are how much you get over yourself your own testimony for the testimony of Jesus. John exiled on Patmos, not for my own testimony. The Bible says for the testimony of Jesus. It is the living word of God breathed through me, the person Jesus, our God, manifesting through our bodies that we are here in this place together. Not with our uniqueness, with the common denominator of being possessed by the same God, where you can't even tell the uniqueness. Apostle Paul says, oh, I admire the uniqueness. Nowhere in the Bible. He says, I want to know nothing except Christ and Him crucified. Your uniqueness is selfishness and stubbornness. You have the same cross. It's Jesus crucified. Get killed on it with Him. Amen. And then the same river that saves everyone will flow through you. But we're so selfish in this culture that it's all about me and how this God can bless me and honor me and do this stuff for me. Me, 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 me. That's what's wrong with us. That's Jezebel. That's what we're warring against. We need the cross crucifying the meanness into the heinous, into the unity and the oneness of the brethren who are all dying on the same cross. What's dying on the cross today? Your soul. What's coming from the cross? The blood and water of one Jesus Christ. Nothing else comes out. You don't have your own stream. You don't have your own river. Are you insane? It's the blood and water of the Messiah flowing through all of us so that we have the same gospel. We have the same testimony. It's the overcomers who experience this that preach the eternal gospel of Jesus in midair. That's what the angelic is. The angelic, they come and they say, oh, can you imagine Gabriel saying, hey, it's all about me. He came as a messenger about Jesus. We come in this place and we think God's going to bless our souls. Get over your souls and get into the soul of Jesus, which is the seven spirits of God burning. Why are they burning? Because our soul is wood, hay, and stubble in the way. It's the blockages. That's why I don't feel 10,000 watts of electricity surging through my bloodstream constantly. Because 
Christianity is still about me because I'm an older prodigal son. Truth, anyhow. There's still older prodigal in us. Or this is about me doing stuff, looking something out here in this wheat field, calling myself God's son, a son of God, and you're not even in the Father's house. And we all got part of that in us. It's called Satan's pride. And the only thing that gets it out, the prescription, is annihilation. The level of sanctification where we lose people and they just walk away sad. They walk away offended. They walk away discouraged. That won't work for me. No, it won't work for you because you're still living for you. It'll work for Jesus and anyone that becomes a real Christian. It works if you're willing to lay your life down called love. Normal love is laying your life down, but you have not yet laid your life down. And that's why you don't feel love like a river. That's why you're not drunk on love. Because your life is not laid down and you're trying to add Christianity to your soul. Which is growing in witchcraft. We preach against soulish, selfish witchcraft because we hate the devil. This is our arch nemesis. The Christianity for the soul is Jezebel. It's your arch nemesis. It's the Antichrist. Christianity for the spirit that annihilates the soul is Christ and him crucified. The real gospel that doesn't allow the animal to live. The animal must die. And it dies daily. You wake up each morning and you determine the level of sacrifice of your own soul for how much Jesus is going to have his way in your spirit. It's not going to be convenient to you. It's not going to be your cultural norm. He's not fitting into your culture. He's not fitting into your American lifestyle. He doesn't care about your Starbucks. You think he does? He doesn't. He cares about the development of your spirit. These things can be added unto you. He's not a religious spirit, but I'm telling you, the priorities of the Holy Ghost, we have a lot of ideas, are very different. He's interested in fathering the Spirit and getting us over our hearts. It's an intimate relationship. Number one priority in the New Testament is knowing Him intimately in the inner man. So He will be a vicious fire, an all-consuming fire, a jealous God towards anything that's interrupting that union. I stand at the door and knock. Revelation 3.20 He knocks because you have to give him permission to come in because we fell. We put a door up. We built the door. The door is our self-consciousness. The door is our very soul being lived for by the actions of our body. Our body living for our soul is the door we built that keeps the Holy Spirit out. We need to open the door and get flooded and learn how to stay flooded, get baptized from the inside out, and stay baptized, and give him more territory. That was crazy, but I'm going to continue to open the doors for you, Holy Ghost, because you're a God and I'm not. I'm the creature, you're the creator, and I won't resist you. I know you're right, and I know I'm wrong. You have to come to a place of humility where you know you're wrong, and he's right all the time about everything. No stubbornness, no confusion there, 
I'm the creature, he's the creator. I'm wrong, he's right. If you think you're right, you're resisting the Spirit of God bulldozing those, those doors that you put up, which is usually doctrines and theologies. Ideas towards God that aren't in union with God, which means it's not God actually there. It's an idea or a knowledge of good. Satan possessed them and stole their birthright when they gave up union experience of God for knowledge of God. You know what separates man from God in soul? Knowledge. Reading the Bible soulishly. Preaching and teaching soulishly. A selfish spirituality is what separates man from God. God's omnipresent. The issue is we have not let him into the soul to burn the house down. Not to fix the soul. Not to remodel it for you to have your happy clappy life of all your eroticized dreams that you've planned for your life. But for the Father to be pleasured in your spirit. For the Father's dreams. The Father's ideas to come true through you. These are the only sons of God. The ones with their own ideas and all my plans for my life of what it looks like when I'm obedient and perfect and spiritual and wise. God's going to give me all this stuff. You know what God's going to give you? Whatever he wants to give you, whatever he takes pleasure in, in you. And by the time, by the time you get to that level of purification, you're just going to want him and then he's going to want stuff. By the time you're over idolatry, you just want him. That's the sign that he can add stuff, which is rulership over the realm of the natural, dominion over flesh, dominion over blood, dominion over gold, dominion over silver, dominion over the economy, dominion over business and priesthood, rulership, leadership, kingship, dignity, power, honor, glory to the Lamb of God formed in you. This level of maturity for those that love the Father more than anything. And we do love the Father more than anything. We'll do anything for the Father. We live for the Father's pleasure over and against anything. Bob says despising and scorning. If, like a love that scorns everything else. Song of Solomon 8. We'll get to that next. Acts 20, 32. And now, brethren, I commit you to God and deposit you in his charge, entrusting you to his protection and care. And I commend you to the word of his grace, to the commands and counsels and promises of his unmerited favor. It is able to build you up and give you your rightful inheritance among all God's set-apart ones, those consecrated, purified, and transformed of soul. <laughs> Notice inheritance is only for consecrated, purified, transformed of soul. This thing has gone to zero, therefore God has blessed them. Amen. That is all spiritual progress. Song of songs eight ocho i love the fire of god he told me you've had water for two months now fire 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 fuego 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 holiness 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 angel of holiness is an angel of fire it's a golden fire. It's a bright white fire. It changes color. 
You can see the hues, it's an amber color, it's a, a white golden fire. White fire is the hottest fire. Blue fire, red fire, orange fire, the hottest fire understood in pyrotechnics is white flames. I see this holiness right now as white flames. Let these white flames come and rest on your heads like Pentecost. Let this fire baptize you in fresh white holiness from God, your heavenly Father. Let the angels impart this fire, this white flame, into your spirit, that you keep the flame burning. I make my ministers flames of fire. He'll pour on the fire, he'll give you the impartation, but you determine if it stays burning or you dim it under a bushel. Which means put it out by practicing soulishness. That's what Jesus said. You can have this thing blazing, but it's the wood, hay, and stubble of the cares of this world, the thoughts of this life, doctrines of demons, all kinds of religious filth, or even sexual morality that will come and it will dim the light. Because you go into the soul and you practice sin. You know what sin is? Living soulishly. That's what a sinner is. A sinner is one who lives as soul. You know what a saint is? One who lives as spirit. So spirit is conquering soul. You're going from sinner to saint through transformation. That's why God doesn't give inheritances to sinners, to soulish people. He gives inheritances to saints, spiritual people that bear his image and obey him in spirit and in truth. And you are spiritual people. You're born of spirit which means you're as spiritual as it gets. Now you just need to believe it and experience it. You got a spirit in you that has all the divine gifts. It's got God the Father. doesn't get any better than that. You got the same thing as everyone else. You got God, the God-spermed Word. And you got your spirit regenerated, recreated. Now it's an awakening, a yielding of soul to spirit every day. That's the daily sacrifice, the animal sacrifice, the picking up your cross and following him is bringing more of the soul down as a falling nation. Not as a false Christian rising nation. False Christianity is the rise of the soul. True Christianity is the fall of the soul. Revelation says that the woman goes down into the water. So it's the soul, which always represents woman in the Bible, goes down into the spirit, which is the water. Those are the only ones that get an inheritance and that actually know Jesus Christ on this planet right now. Song of Solomon 8. Looking forward to the shepherd's arrival, the eager girl pictures their meeting and says, Oh, that you were like my brother, who nursed from the breasts of my mother. If I should find you without, I would kiss you, yes, and none would despise me for it. I would lead you and bring you into the house of my mother, who would instruct me. I would cause you to drink spiced wine of the juice of my pomegranates, which represent healing, and the high priest would wear pomegranates on his robes, drink healing, get drunk on health, and then musingly she adds, oh that his left hand were under my head and that his right hand embrace me. I adjure you, now you need to see this as the spirit of Jesus and your spirit. And when your spirit is nurtured, the intimate knowledge of God, Ephesians 1, 
of the Father of Glory, the Father of Spirits. When your spirit embraces this level of love in the Word, there becomes a matrimony. The Bride of Christ is spirit. The spirit and the bride say come. Not the spirit and the soul say come. That's not in the Bible. The soul is drowned. So the spirit and the bride can say come and drink. Because it's the drinking of the spirit that has drowned the soulishness and the sorcery of Babylon the Great. Come on. I adjure you. O daughters of Jerusalem, that you never again attempt to stir up or awaken love until it pleases. I understand that as soulish love. Soulish versus spiritual. Two trees in the garden. Why is this important? Why do we always divide us under soul from spirit? Because it's the tree of knowledge, soul, versus the tree of life, spirit. If you don't do that, you're a false teacher. And it's just all soulish garbage. You have to make a huge chasm between these two houses because one's hell and one's heaven. If you're not clear about that, they might think that the soul dimension is okay to live in. And they'll literally live in Gehenna and they'll never have the true kingdom of heaven. There has to be a dividing. You have to understand these foundations for all Christian teachings. Who is this who comes up from the wilderness leaning upon her beloved? And as they cited the home of her childhood, the bride said, Under the apple tree I awakened you. There your mother gave you birth. There she was in travail and bore you. Set me like a seal upon your heart, like a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as hard and cruel as Sheol, the place of the dead. It flashes, and its flashes are flashes of fire. <laughs> love is flashes of fire. And as I said that, I saw Revelation 1, the eyes of Jesus flashing with fire. Same exact reference. The eyes of love flashing with fire. The fire of holiness stronger than death. Eyes, the windows of the soul, so that death or the soul is conquered in there, and it's love as fire flashing in the transformed soul. Amen. Amen. Its flashes are flashes of fire, a most vehement flame, the very flame of the Holy Spirit. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man would offer all the goods of his house for love, he would be utterly scorned and despised. And that's where I wanted to touch on. All the world, when this flashing fire is transforming your soul, you will utterly scorn idolatry. That's the evidence of real holiness. The evidence of one serving the Lord and not stuff and not self. Spirit has conquered them. They're conquered by love. They're crucified with love. They're transformed by love. They live for love. The highway of holiness is the divine love, the agape of the Lord. This is the evidence of maturity, the apostle says. And the mark of maturity is love. This is what love is. It's that flashing fire that scorns and utterly despises all the goods of his house. That's what it says. If a man would offer all the goods 
of his house, which is all the comforts of the realm of the natural. If you know Jesus like the Bible prescribes, you scorn all the goods of your house because of the reality of this fire on the inside. That's the place of maturity you're growing up into, where this fire is the pearl of great price. This fire is your intimate relationship with Jesus, and you would die for it. In fact, you die daily for it. Dying daily, denying whatever kind of stuff would get in the way of putting this fire out. That's the bushel. You just keep pushing the bushel off. The temptations of the evil one are bushels to dim the fire of divine love that can only burn through the regenerated, born-again spirit. Amen. And you scorn it and you despise it. That's that jealousy. That jealousy for the Lord. That's that reverent fear of, of the Lord. That awe of God. That zeal for the Father's house. It's consumed you. This is the place of passion that you want to get into where you live for the fire. You live for divine love. God's love has consumed your soul and you won't fill it with junk anymore. You won't put anything in there because you've tasted the best stuff in existence, divine love. You need to drink the divine love. The soul was created to live in that divine love, in that fire. Remember Jesus Christ? He said the eyes are the window to the soul. What's in his soul? Revelation 1. The flashing fire of love. That's what he did everything for. Jesus' obedience was based on filling his soul with the fire of the love of the Father. This is how we live. It's, I am the way, the truth, and life. The way is filling your soul with more of that flashing fire of the Father's love. How much can you fit in there? Until you can't die. Bible says stronger than death, scorning idolatry, fallen angels can't do anything against us. This is their worst nightmare. A person addicted to the flashing fire, divine love. How many of y'all know Daniel 7, he saw a river of flashing fire of divine love. And that's what destroyed Babylon. That's what destroyed religion. And he was set free from Nebuchadnezzar and toppled kingdoms, casting them into the sea. So will you with the same fervent passion in the fiery agape love of the Holy Ghost. Let it flash in your eyes. I pray for the eye salve of divine love to be poured into your eyes. Bible says purchase for it this love. Purchase gold that you may be rich. Revelation 3 it is written. What does that mean? It means scorning all the goods of your house for your eyes to be full of the flashing fire of love. To see by divine love. Amen. Even scorning the shame, scorning the misunderstanding, scorning the mockers. They don't understand. They don't have the relationship that you do. This is intimate. This is private. This is the secret place of the heart. They'll understand later. You're going to walk in it. You're going to be the happiest people on the planet. Most misunderstood because you're married to an invisible light called the Holy Ghost. The invisible God, the bride of Christ, has married an invisible man. You know, they think you're crazy. They'll lock you up in a loony bin for stuff like this. But it's the truth anyhow. The Holy Ghost is more real. The Bible says that the natural realm and all things that are seen was created by the supernatural realm and by him who is unseen. 
In order, in order to marry God, you have to marry something unseen. You have to marry the invisible Holy Ghost. Christ is the Holy Ghost. Christ in you is the Holy Ghost in you. Marriage means the giving of the soul. The woman or the bride is the soul. It's not male or female. There's none of that in Christ that is written. It's the woman of the soul that has married the Holy Ghost. That's what makes us the bride. Amen. It's not the physical man, Jesus. It's the spirit of Jesus that you marry by bringing the woman, the soul down into the spirit. That's what matrimony to God actually is. How married? How developed? What's your relationship like? Newlyweds? Or is there a depth of reading each other's thoughts? How deep have you dissolved your soul to be married to the Holy Ghost? Out of your innermost being flows your marriage vows. Married to God. They be giving and taking in marriage in the days of Noah, which means instead of marrying the water, God, they're going to be marrying their own soulishness, which is all the distractions out here of most Christians right now. They'll be married to everything else, which is distracted and spending time and money on everything else. That's what marriage is all about. Spending time, going on vacations, doing all the stuff in the soul realm. And that's what everyone's doing. They applaud each other. They give each other gifts, like it says in Revelation, because they brought down the spirit. And they applauded the destruction of the spirit because it tormented their soulish living. These two witnesses of apostle and prophet of the spirit, sent from the spirit, the living waters tearing down the soul. They destroyed it. They silenced it. And they did. 1,800 years of apostolic and the prophetic. There's 1,900 years. It was silenced. Christi the reemergence of the prophetic wasn't really even to the, into the 80s or the 70s. That's like... 1900 years god guys they silenced the prophetic they killed the prophetic and now the prophetic's coming up and people are freaking out you see how they react to red letter ministries that's how they react to the prophet to the prophetic witness of the river dissolving the soul they insist on giving and taking in marriage they insist on self we have had a Christianity in our soul realm for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. That's our whole denomination. And these people come around in this generation and they say it's demonic? Yeah, they do. A generation of righteousness that will tear down the soul into the spirit forever. And that's how the entire expression of Christianity be changed in one generation, Mike Bickle. When soul is drowned in spirit and spirit has conquered soul and the voice of many waters of the spirit of the seven spirits of God has risen in your hearts and slaughtered all the words of the soul, which is the voice of the beast, the voice of the flesh. Carnal Christianity will be utterly slaughtered like an animal, Revelation says. John on Patmos understood these things. He'd been dealing with carnal immaturity his whole Christian life life and Jesus showed the great Apostle John that the beast and the voice of the beast and the carnal Christianity that had opposed his apostolic spirituality would eventually be drowned and defeated he showed him the future efforts of his apostolic obedience and the devouring of the soul realm of all mankind 
and the spirit would rule over the soul just like it did in the Garden of Eden. That, my friends, is the restoration of all things. That's what we live for. Every day making progress in this thing and celebrating the victories which is killing the fattened calf, killing the goat, and celebrating in the spirit of our Father through the conquered territories of our own souls. That's where the marriage celebration of the Lamb is, spirit conquering the soul. Only ones get in when spirit lets them in. The ones not wearing the wedding garments are the ones still wearing the soul. The wedding garments are wearing the spirit that slaughtered the soul. That's why it's called the wedding of the lamb. Lamb is the slaughter of the cross. And so in order to be a part of that, your soul has to be slaughtered. Amen. So we thank you, Father, for slaughtering the souls tonight. We thank you for the, the marriage of the Lamb, of a people that will bring down their soul in an annihilation to the spirit of the living God fully on earth already. We dedicate our souls to the destruction of the living waters. And if there's resistance in you and you don't want that, you have not yet committed your life to Jesus Christ, I pray a strong conviction of the Holy Ghost comes upon you that you would have a deeper relationship and a marriage in giving your soul, your heart, your mind, and your will, and your life to the living waters and the fire of love. And it would marry your soul. And it would consume your soul that your eyes would flash in the same level of love and fire and commitment and passion as Jesus Christ in Revelation. That's the standard we bear. That's perfection, guys. The standard is the perfection of divine love flashing through souls fully married to the Holy Ghost. Anything else in there? Illegal. It is marked for slaughter. And if you don't slaughter it, it'll just steal your rewards and you'll never fulfill your destiny because you didn't empty your soul for divine love. You did not love him. We love you, so we empty our souls and fill our souls with the spirit of love, with the evidence of the flashing fire, not understood by the natural man, not comprehensible by the natural man, by the animal. It cannot be communicated in the animal or in the beast, in the flesh or in the blood, but the spirit who is taught wisdom can communicate divine love. And if you're listening, it's like sheep to the slaughter. To experience love and to be saved, it's like coming into the spirit and slaughtering the natural. Amen. And we thank you for a people that will get saved through the sheep gate by the slaughter of their souls into the spirit of divine love. To be able to communicate the mysteries of the kingdom and the secrets of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven be proclaimed from a people fully crucified in soul and that fire would speak, that fire would preach, that fire would communicate from the realm of Jesus Christ at the right hand of God the very words 
the very feelings of God the Father through eyes of flashing fire towards everyone on earth. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for a baptism of divine love, a baptism of flashing fire. Those white flames of the angel of holiness be poured on every head at the sound of my voice, consuming all the soulishness of our hearts and minds with a greater marriage to the Spirit of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Love you, Lord. We live for your holiness. We live for a demonstration of your true agape fire, a true love stronger than death, Stronger than the goods of all houses. Stronger than the pleasures of this world. Let that be experienced by your people in this place. Let the desire for that love and the understanding of Song of Solomon and going through that process of coming out of the confusion of the animal to live in the clarity of the angel. If you read about it, there's all kinds of misunderstandings of the soul, which is the woman of Song of Solomon, and the soul misunderstanding what's going on as she's growing in love. My love, my beloved, have you seen him? Where has he gone? Like he left or something. Because the soul is an animal. The soul is a fool. And it, it's a wisdom of slaughtering the soul for spiritual union. And that's why she's getting lost all the time in Song of Solomon. Because it's dealing with our soulishness and dealing with our carnality and our separation from the Spirit of Jesus. And He is just burning it down. This is the fall of every nation. Divine love. That's what the wrath of the Lamb is. The winepress of the wrath of the Lamb is divine love burning up all the counterfeits. Burning up all the household goods. Scorning it despising it and consuming all souls with God's love. When that happens in us, there will be a great outpouring. Usually major persecution. When people step into, people that go deeply into divine love like Jian Guyan, they incarcerated her. They threw her in prison for divine love. Look at Paul, Silas, incarcerated when you tapped into this love. Don't think you're going to be applauded or patted on the back. Your spouse will probably issue you a certificate of divorce. Get real. Your parents will probably say you need to leave our house immediately. You've gotten into false Christianity because you got into the fire that burns the animal alive. That it scorns and despises household goods, which is the human life. It despises the human life and embraces with a zeal the angelic divine life. Amen. It's normal Christianity when you fall in love with the anointing. He wants all of you to be able to score in the household goods of this life. To love the fire of divine love and serve the flame of Yahweh. To serve the agape of God, the Son of God, with all your spirit blazing through your burnt out soul. So that your eyes may flash with the eyes of the Bride of Christ. <laughs> eyes of divine love. Eyes 
this soul has sacrificed it all. And the Bible says they don't even feel like it was a sacrifice. Why? Because it's a reasonable thing to give your soul to the fire of love. It's what you're created to live in. It's not too hard. It's easy for those who love him. Impossible for the selfish. And the Holy Spirit rebuke you. And the Holy Spirit convict you. The Holy Spirit disciple you and discipline you and get you out of there for the fire of Yahweh and God's love to flow through you like a river of fire. Then we will be an accurate demonstration of the kingdom of heaven with no earthly human animal mixtures in Jesus name. That is the gospel of the angel midair. It's pure love with no human mixtures. Amen. That's why it's angel in the Bible. Revelation 14. It's angel. It's fully spirit. This thing cannot be spoken with human mixture. The human brain just, it's just blowtorched. It's like he's divided the animal of the human flesh in two pieces like the old covenant priesthood. And the river of fire just flows right down the middle of the sacrifice of your soul, your flesh, given to the river of life. And the river of life is able to be satisfied through your life fully surrendered to the fire of God. Thank you, Father, for a people that will come into a much more maturity in the priesthood of Melchizedek to demonstrate this fiery love through their souls completely sacrificed for the pleasure of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Glory. <laughs> Give a love offering if you want to. <laughs> It is a free will offering of not just the soul, but of money. Anything forced is not love. It's an excitement for God. And so you get excited for love. You get excited for the kingdom. You also get excited for giving and bringing increase into the ministry of divine love. That's why God loves cheerful givers because they understand giving. They've given their hearts. They've given their minds. They've given their souls. So it's easy and effortless and pain-free to give money into the apostolic and prophetic works of the kingdom of heaven. Amen. So I thank you, Father, for cheerful givers that know how to give. Good measure, pressed down, running over. And thank you, Father, for a people that give out of love. They give out of their spirit. They give through revelations of how to advance the kingdom. They get witty inventions. They get understanding and impartation of how to advance God's kingdom through the giving of finances. The Apostle Paul in the Bible calls one of the giftings, just like the gift of the Apostle, he calls it the gift of the giver. 
Read the Bible. There's the gift of the giver that's like an office, like a pastor, of someone that has an understanding that they are anointed to fuel the apostolic and the fivefold and the kingdom of heaven and the works of the prophets and the lives of the prophets to advance the kingdom. Let these offices and these those that are anointed for this office of giving, Father, speak to them. Give them dreams, give them visions, give them revelations and understandings of how to advance the kingdom much more so. Even a thousandfold increase in giving in that office according to the Word of God. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for speaking to your people in a clarity of how to obey and give and advance your kingdom. Get them all on board with all of their house sown into the kingdom of heaven. Let not one give outside of revelation. Let them give revelation-wise, revelatory givers, with a wisdom in giving and a, a leadership of the Holy Spirit in their finances. Let that not be an unconsecrated area of their lives. Let their money be sanctified for the Lord in their lives, in their families' lives, and in the ministry's lives that they're participating in. With no confusion, every aspect of your life be sanctified for God. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> then it gets really good. Peace, love.